The Boilermakers are the one seed in the East region. What do we think of the NCAA tournament draw? Let's break it down with Golden Black Radio. I'm Kyle Charters, Mike Carmen in just a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Carm, the Boilermakers get the Big Ten tournament victory. Whether that made any difference at all in getting the one seed in the NCAA tournament, we might not know. But Purdue does get uh, the trophy to go along with the other trophy in the regular season. And now we know where the Boilermakers will go. Not very far over to Columbus as the one seed where Purdue will take either Texas Southern or Fairleigh Dickinson. I think it's safe to say... Uh, though we know what happened in 1996, that the Boilermakers should be able to advance to the second round, Memphis, Florida, Atlantic, potentially there. Tennessee, Duke, the high seeds in the top half of the East Regional. Just when you look at that whole thing, uh, any thoughts, anything jump out to you? Well, I, again, I, I think you can look at every every region and every bracket and say, this is a land, you know, this is tough, that's tough, or you say, well, that's easy. Uh, the the way teams are uh, this year, and we saw it in the Big Ten outside of Purdue, it is everybody's just so compact together. I mean, there's no. I, here's what I wish would happen. Okay, we know the seeds of everybody. Now take the seeds away, because yeah. people are going to lose their mind when a 12 beats a five and a 14 beats a whoever or a 15 beats a two. In reality, everybody is pretty bunched together. So yeah. there should not be surprises. There, there, there'll be some, but really the, the surprises are gone because everybody's close. There's no team that's, you know, way out in front of everybody. It's just not. You have some You have some really good teams. You have some teams that are playing really well, like a Duke, uh, I think, is playing really well, and a Marquette. But everybody's just kind of bunched together. But in regards to Purdue's region, uh, very difficult region. I mean, if they can get to the second round, you've got Memphis, who's going to be up and down. They're going to press Purdue. You got Florida Atlantic, which is having a terrific year. Uh, it would be hungry to to move on. And then if you get to the Sweet 16, you're looking at probably Duke. Uh, Texas has lost, you know, a key player, or not Texas. Tennessee has lost the key player. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Duke team is a different team than the than the one Purdue beat uh, back in November in Oregon. And then on the other side of the back bracket, you got Marquette, which Purdue beat earlier this year. You got Kansas State. And who knows what surprises will come. But the very, you know, whether Purdue was a one in the east or the number two in the south, it, it's going to be a tough, tough situation. And um, they have some things to clean up. But, you know, I thought Purdue getting a number one seed was fair when you factor in the whole season yeah. and have no idea if UCLA's loss in the Pac-12 title game, you know, bump Purdue up or solidified them as a number one. And usually by the time the Big Ten championship game tips off at 3.30, the bracket is pretty well set, unless you would have had an Ohio State situation. Right. Where after the championship game, then the committee would have had to have multiple brackets to, to play that out. But I thought the number one seed was earned. 
It was fair and reflective of Purdue's season overall. Uh, and now, now you just go to play the games and see see what see how it all plays out. Duke needs to be aware of uh, Oral Roberts, in my opinion, and their seven foot five, seven foot five center, Connor well, they, Vanover. Well, they have history of playing a seven four or seven five center, yeah. so they have some experience. Now, wouldn't that be a heck of a matchup if somehow <laughs> Oral do got together? Yeah, uh, at some point in the tournament, you'd have somebody actually taller than Zach Eady, <laughs> uh, and I don't know if they would double Zach Eady, and I don't know how Duke will handle this but yeah you know every team has to be on high alert I, I think and we've seen over time just in the Big Ten I mean Iowa last year you know stormed through the Big Ten tournament you know they had all the momentum and then they got knocked out in the first round yeah. uh, so you just you just have to be on high alert and as I've mentioned several times you know this is the month of desperation everybody everybody's playing at a, at a high level of desperation just to advance and you from Purdue standpoint they they really have to to match that you know they're going to be the hunted being the number one seed but they need to play like their hair's on fire and they need to play uh as if they have a lot to prove uh in this tournament there does seem to be a lot of of chatter you know outside of Purdue about how the Boilermakers sort of have been exposed here recently. And this is, this is the formula for beating them. I always think it's hilarious that, that all of that comes after Purdue has won a game. <laughs> like if the yeah. formula to beating Purdue is pressing them, then why does Purdue keep winning the game? Um, with, you know, so what do you think about all that? I mean, just, I don't, I wouldn't say Purdue's a media darling right now. It seems like everybody wants to hate on Purdue. Uh, is that fair? Uh, there, I mean, when you, when a, when you're not as close to it as a lot of people are around here, obviously, when you look at it from afar, uh, you know, driving back from Chicago last night, I had sports talk radio on, and there were a couple of guys like, I can't wait to bet against Purdue. Purdue's going to not even make the Sweet 16, you know, all this kind of stuff. And those people may be right. I have no idea. Yeah. But. There are, you know, you have some red flags there. You know, twice in the last week, they've let big leads get away. 24-point lead at home against Illinois. 17-point lead against Penn State. Uh, you know, Rutgers made it interesting mm -hmm. at the end with some of their uh, some of their pressure. Uh, Ohio State somewhat made it interesting after they uh, found a second gear after being tired <laughs> midway through the second half. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, there's some concern, and you know, we we all watch sports long enough. We we kind of see these things coming, and it's you know, once you lose that edge or lose that momentum, it's kind of hard to get back. But it's a lot of basic, simple plays that end up costing you in the end: missing a free throw or missing multiple free throws, or Zach not being able to finish around the basket when you have a six point lead and you can take it to eight. Yeah. So there, there's like that. I just, um, and it is, some of that stuff's out of your control. Uh, you know, the pressure, some of the pressing stuff, you know, is valid. And there have been teams that have come after Purdue early, but they've, they've seemed to handle it. You know, Ohio State did here in Mackey Arena a few weeks ago, uh, but Purdue weathered that storm. Um, but when you get to the end of the game, it just seems like it's a, it's a fire drill yeah. and it's, and they, 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 
teams have been able to speed up Purdue a little bit. You know, when dealing with the press, and this may not deal with your actual question, but dealing with the press, I'd like to see Purdue attack it more and try yeah. to score as opposed to just getting it over the half-court lines and running their half-court offense. I'd like to, you know, you got to make teams pay when they do that. And it's easier said than done, but I'd like for them to be a little bit more aggressive in trying to get to the rim and trying to score against the press because that's the best formula to get teams out of it just by scoring. But, yeah, I mean, I, I get that, you know, Purdue's not going to be a favorite. They're, everybody's going to pick against them in, in some regard uh, because they don't fully believe in them. But I, I would also say, like, who do you fully believe in in this tournament? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody's got warts. Everybody's got flaws. And, you know, that's just – that's the way this year is. And – but, I th- you know, I think Purdue still has the advantage a lot of teams don't have, and that's Zach Eady as far as matching up with him. And that's something I think that can take them, you know, deep in this tournament. Yeah, I agree with you on the on the press issue. I've, I've tweeted it a couple of times during previous games. Maybe it was the Illinois game. Whatever game I, I last actually could watch uh, from from start to finish, without baseball getting in the way, um, that don't just beat the press. Punish teams for pressing you. Punish right. them for for doing it. I mean, there are two ways, in my opinion, to get teams to back off. One is not allow them to score, uh, which isn't always easy, and the other is you know make them pay. And um, I, I just don't feel like Purdue's always doing that, being a little bit too casual. Uh, at times and yeah. in, in trying to just sort of get into your half-court offense. I know Purdue's half-court offense is good, generally, and very efficient. Uh, but to me, there has to be instances where you're just like, we're going we're gonna to make them pay for doing this. Well, because if, you're just, if, if your goal is just to get it across half-court, well, you're going to have 19 seconds to run your offense in the half-court. Well, I mean, as everybody knows, Purdue runs a lot of sets. Yeah. And they have a lot of they, – they do – it's a very complex offense. So you're limiting your time. You can run that offense. And maybe Zach only gets one touch in that offense if you've got limited time on the shot, on the shot clock. So that's why I say just go, go attack it. Try to, try to score, get fouled, or just loft the ball up to Zach who's standing on the block and he can dunk on somebody. I mean, there, there's ways around it, um, but I do think Purdue's smaller guards probably play a role in that a little bit because there's a lot of long and athletic teams that can take away the vision of the guards. And, you know, we've seen that happen this year. But, I mean, you just can't dribble through it. You've got to have a plan to execute it. I'd love to see them stay out of the corners. Uh, yeah. I think they, they get in the corners too much. Uh, and, get you know, then you've got that extra defender called the baseline that, that kind of uh, – that puts you in a bad position, but I just like to see him just be a little bit more aggressive with it and uh, try, as you say, try to punish teams for, for doing it. And, you know, I, I think Purdue would be much better off or I think they'd be a much in a much better situation at the end of games. If they could, if they could do that. Two guys who have sort of started to, uh, to rise up here uh, in March, Brandon Newman being one now as a starter, uh, David Jenkins jr. Being another, You've got a couple of more veteran guards out there uh, when those two are, are on the floor. Man, it seems to me that they're both going to be highly critical to a run here in the NCAA tournament for the Boilermakers. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I think we saw that 
uh, this weekend in Chicago. I mean, David Jenkins, I don't, I don't think Purdue wins the Big Ten tournament without David Jenkins. Uh, he had so many big shots, especially when Purdue was scuffling against Rutgers. Uh, and then he did it again the first half against Penn State. Uh, you know, he had some he had some big plays against Ohio State. Uh, and I was really disappointed that Purdue only got one person on the all-tournament team. I mean, David Jenkins should have been on that team. Yeah. And, and I know Ohio State made a nice run. And, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is who he is. But, you know, Purdue should have had at least one other player on that team. I voted for Edie and Jenkins and Gillis. And, you know, I, I considered Brandon Newman, but I was just, I was just kind of disappointed that they only got one, but that's, you know, that's what happened in the regular season as well. But, you know, Brandon Newman is important probably more from a defensive standpoint uh, because he's going to be on the top perimeter player of whoever they play. And if he can continue to play through his defense, which he, which he is, yeah, uh, then, you know, that, that will help his offense. I'd like to see him get to the rim a little bit more. He had an opportunity Sunday in the first half to maybe get to the rim, but he pulled up and took a 12-footer, which in the analytical world is a horrible shot nowadays. <laughs> uh, so I just like to see him try to get to the rim, and you know he could have potentially dunked over somebody, uh, probably anybody, because Penn State doesn't have a lot of size. Uh, but he, the, both those guys are going to be critically important. And uh, the bench in general, I, I believe, you know, Zach Eadie's their most important player, but after that, you can make a case that the the bench and what they do will likely determine how far Purdue goes in this tournament. And those two guys are are going to be key. And it's good to have a an old man like Jenkins, who doesn't have a lot of postseason experience, but kind of understands what needs to be done in different situations. And he's you know he's a tremendous shooter. And he's in one of those rhythms right now. Yeah. And, you know, he needs – they need for him to continue to do that. Yeah. I loved his his answer to a question the other day at a press conference about how, how you know, he needs to – I think somebody asked him what he, what he needs to do. He's like, I need to defend and, and be smart. And I'm like, no, and you also need to hit shots, and you are, and that's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, Purdue, Purdue needs you to hit shots, and you are. And, uh, I, you know, as we all know, Fletcher Lawyers, you know, is struggling right now from yeah. – from a shooting standpoint and he you know he's he's not as big a body as, as david and, you know and i think you know getting david in there a little bit more from a ball handling standpoint to be able to withstand some of the the physicality that's going to come produce way uh in the tournament i think will be beneficial and this this whole past weekend i think matt was just mixing and matching perimeter guys more than what we've seen all year uh, just trying to get different combinations out there, A, to defend, but also B, find somebody that can hit a shot. Yeah. And David Jenkins did that, and therefore he, he got more playing time. Uh, but it was, you know, that Rutgers game, you know, I, I saw some combinations I haven't seen a whole lot of this year. Yeah. And Jenkins, Lawyer, Braden Smith combination did well against Rutgers. And then throughout the, the rest of the tournament, you had Ethan Morton in there and you had, you had, period, you had periods where you had Ethan Morton and Brandon Newman on the floor at the same time as well, and those are your two best perimeter defenders, and if you can get offense out of that combination, I think that's a bonus as well. Let's take a quick break, come back, talk a little more of the Penn State game, and uh, maybe look at the Big Ten, how it fared in getting in the NCAA tournament. Rutgers, what happened there? 
All right. Uh, quick break. This is Golden Black Radio. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Sand Valley is hosting its annual Brews and Brats Festival March 17th through 19th. Get in early and enjoy a complimentary sampler flight and snacks before the Brewmaster Dinner Friday night hosted by New Glarus. Saturday afternoon features a self-guided beer tour from Wisconsin and Greater Midwest Breweries, complete with snacks, games, and live music by the Jason McNabb Duo. Get your tickets today by calling 877-347-2402 or by visiting Sand Valley Pursuits front slash events front slash SV dash Bruce Brots. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local Acre Pro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit acrepro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. All right, Carm, obviously we've talked about before, when you get a 24-point lead, when you get a 17-point lead, when you get a big lead, you're doing things things well. Purdue right now is doing well in, in getting Zach Eady the ball in positions that he can score it. Yeah, they are. And, you know, when you're when you're scuffling a little bit from the perimeter, um, I think you you can't forget about Zach Eady. And you've you've gotta you've gotta pound that ball inside to to stem a a run the other team is going on. And and that that probably needs to happen a little bit more. It's it's pretty simple. I mean, Ohio State had no post depth uh in their you know, because they've just had so many injuries that you know, Zach, Zach had his way. And then same thing with Penn State. They had very little post depth and size to deal with him. You just got to keep, you just got to keep feeding him the ball. And it's, you know, again, it's, pre- it's pretty simple. Don't go away from it. He can be a run stopper when the other team starts getting hot. Uh, so, yeah, just, just keep feeding the ball to Zach. And, and I, you know, I thought, it was a well-officiated game yesterday because they called the fouls that were fouls. Yeah. And, and there were several of them that were where they were pulling on his arms and all that kind of stuff. And so from that standpoint, it was, it was a positive for Purdue, but yeah, you just, there, you know, Zach's going to have to be the guy that, that really carries Purdue to the finish line uh, during the tournament. It's, I mean, it, it... <laughs> 
I wasn't going to get into the officiating stuff necessarily, but it was interesting to watch. All right. Watch the Pac-12 championship game on, on Saturday night. And you're like, man, it's just we'll watch a different kind of basketball. Like how, how is this going to work with Zach Eady in the NCAA tournament? Because the way to defend him these days is just to hang on him until the officials call it. I mean, the Rutgers game was a little bit silly. I mean, they're just they're, it's barely basketball on the inside. They're just hanging on him. Um, but you just, you know, you're watching the the Pac-12 uh, game, and I'm like, yeah, that's just, there's none of that going on on the interior. <laughs> so how is he going to be called in the NCAA tournament? Is it going to be game to game? What are we going to see? I mean, it's just it's a wild question, I think, that we just don't know the answer to. I think you answered your question there because yeah. I, I I have no idea because you're probably going to see officials that you haven't seen this year, at least in the early rounds. Yeah. You're not going to see the, the normal faces that show up at Big Ten games. So how do you – how do they how do they deal with that? And I, I'd be curious, and I don't think anybody would really talk about it, but what's the prep work for officials when they're going into the NCAA tournament as far as players they haven't officiated? this year you know do they watch film do they you know how do they how do they prepare to to officiate a guy like zach eater or, or any other unique big man uh in the country uh I, I don't know if you know people would talk about that publicly but you know how, how do they get how are they going to get themselves ready for that but yeah i mean you, you it's, it's the whole thing you know in football hold until they call it and it's the same thing in basketball. Get away with as much as you can until they call it. And it's really up to the officials to curb that stuff early in hopes that it slows it down throughout the game. But I don't even think that's a – I don't think that uh, stops people from doing it. Um, and if you don't have any depth, you've got to really be careful if you're the opposing team, how many fouls you're willing to give up uh, to, to Zach and Purdue because you're going to send them to the line you know, Zach is a good free throw shooter. Uh, so are you, you know, you're hurting yourself or you just kind of take your chances with him, maybe missing a few shots close to the rim as opposed to putting that, putting him at the free throw line. But um, yeah, I th- you know, I think when you watch the Pac-12 games, a little different types of players out there. You don't have Zach in the middle, so you've got more space to do things. But um yeah, it's just it's kind of a different kind of basketball that they play. But yeah, I'm, like you, I'll be curious how how Zach is officiated uh, in this tournament. Eight teams in from the Big Ten. Uh, no real surprises in terms of seeding of those teams. Indiana was the only other top sixteen uh, team at a four seed. I don't think I don't think the Hoosiers got an easy game in the first one looking at Kent State a little bit. I mean, that is a, a veteran backcourt that is pretty good uh, for the Golden Flashes. But uh, so no no real surprises there, I think, other than the fact that one team got left out, and that was Rutgers. I thought the Scarlet Knights would probably still get into the first four. I think many other people thought that as well. Were you surprised to see Rutgers not get in the tournament? I was shocked. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was shocked. Now, they – they did have a bad loss at the end of the year uh, at Minnesota, but I I consider that a karma loss because they should have moved their game to let Michigan State play Minnesota to to make up for that that game that was postponed. But other than that, I mean, your your last game is a 
is a five point loss to Purdue, which is a number one seed, and you beat that team earlier in the year, and that shouldn't be the sole reason they get in. But they had a they had a good year. I mean, they they were competitive in the Big Ten. I mean, they came from what nineteen points down to win at Penn State. Yeah, uh, I would just you know, I, I think I think most of us took it for granted that they would get in. You know, after you know beating Michigan, kind of should have solidified them being in. But it didn't, and I, I don't, and I haven't seen, I haven't really gone out and tried to find out why they didn't get in. And I don't know if the committee people talked about it yesterday, but yeah, that was strange. And it's unfortunate because, you know, they do have an NCAA tournament type of team. Now, they're not the greatest on offense, but that defense is real. Uh, and it, 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 it would cause anybody problems uh, and yeah. should cause you know, the the stellar NIT field problems once they once they start play, but yeah, I think that's a that, that's one where if I'm Steve Pico, I need to I need to have an answer, you know, why Rutgers didn't get in and what does Rutgers need to do to avoid that situation again, play a tougher non conference schedule, you know, does this matter winning more games or not losing to Minnesota? What is it, you know, why did why did uh, why did Rutgers not get in? And that's that's an answer if I'm him or the administration. I'm I'm search, I'm seeking out here as soon as possible. And uh, I'd want to know if the Ohio State game in Columbus hurt them, the game that they that, that the Buckeyes should not have won. Yeah, I mean it so probably they, did in the big picture. Probably yeah. did. Yeah, I I just think if you if you're a team that to me Rutgers could win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, it's hard. They could win two games with that defense. You can win a couple games. Catch right. teams off guard um, with with sort of your physicality and what you can do, and and you know you get hot a little bit offensively. Uh, it's hard to leave a team like that out of the tournament. I was I was surprised. Well, it also could be that somebody else did rise up and take their spot. You know, I, and I don't know. Again, I haven't seen the list of quote the last four in or the first four out, uh, and somebody could have risen up and just taken their their last spot or whatever it is because. You know, uh, as you know, once you stop playing, you know, you, you, you yeah. lose all control. Yeah. You know, because you don't have any more games to prove yourself. So once you're done and somebody else gets hot or goes to a championship game or whatever, then they have an opportunity to overtake you. And it's always recently, recently biased. You know, the whole, oh, yeah, the last impression is kind of the one that always sticks with people. And, you know, maybe the, the loss to Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, how it unfolded for them, uh, probably, you know, may have cost them. I, you know, I don't know. But you got 10 people in that room and 10 different opinions, and uh, who knows how it all shakes out. Yep. Thanks, Carm. Enjoy Columbus. I will try. Thank you very much. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, Please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Mike Harmon, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Block Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.